Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Just join me in prayer. Father, we just declare that uh, Jesus, you're our Savior. You sit on the throne. You're over it all. We acknowledge you as being over everything. And you've given us everything. Father, you're good. You're a good, good father. You can't get any gooder. And Father, you've given us everything in Jesus. There's nothing left for you to give. And all we have to do is access it and figure it out. And so, Father, you're the best. You're the best dad there ever was. Lord, and we just seek to be your emissaries, your ambassadors while we have time here on earth. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. This is just crazy. I mean, I... Went up to Chalice last, uh, last week and uh, I got lit on fire. And it was just like... This is crazy. So some of the stuff you're going to hear uh, came out of that. But, and I got a different perspective on, on what my part's supposed to be in the world and here and, and in my personal life. And, uh, you know, I, Ben's taken us through as a, as a fellowship, as a church body, you know, into this prophetic movement. And it's like I've always been, yeah, yeah, cool, you know. But I went up there and God opened it up, the word, and just said, uh, everything in the word is prophetic from start to finish, from Adam all the way to the end. It's all prophetic. And to show you, <laughs> this is funny, <laughs> to show you, I'm going to teach out a Haggai tonight, today. It's like, well, where's that? <laughs> it's like, what's well, the Old Testament? It's way in the back of the Old Testament. It's almost at the end of the Old Testament. So you've got Agai, Zechariah, and then that book written by that Italian prophet, Malachi. <laughs> Always wanted to say that. <laughs> but I like to laugh. You know, God's got a sense of humor. That's why I'm up here. And so I believe laughter brings some oxygen to our system and our brains, and so I'll try to keep you awake today. And so, you know, I, I like to tell ethnic jokes. You like ethnic jokes? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing with ethnic jokes is you can only tell them about your own ethnicity. And so, you know, we got a couple of bald guys here, but we probably don't have any bald Norwegians. I said that one time, and I had one guy in church. It's like, I apologize to you ahead of time. 
the, my, my favorite <coughs> uncles, Ole and Sven, Norwegian bald uncles. Ole was on the roof, and he was putting new shingles on his, his house. And Sven comes up the ladder and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm reshingling my roof. He goes, yeah, but I've been watching you. And you, you pull your nail pouch out, and you put a nail in there, and you hammer it in. You pull a nail out, and you throw one away. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, I pull one out. And if the point's pointing down, I hammer it in. But if I pull it out and the point's pointing up, it's no good. I throw it away. He goes, Ollie, what's wrong with you? Those are for the other side of the roof. Gary knows that. He was a builder. <laughs> you got to buy left nails and right nails, right? And so I, when I go into this thing about prophecy, it's, uh, it, you know, it's like, what is it? And it's, it's the Father calling us in from the future. And so what's the future? You know, the Father, he's the only one that knows our future. The devil doesn't know our future. The devil knows his future. The lake of fire and eternal separation from God. But, but God's the only one that knows the future. And that's heaven on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. So what's God say about heaven? There's not going to be any tears from Revelation. No death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. I want that. And that's what he calls us into. Because he's given us everything, but it's in our future. So we're here to call ourselves and others into that future, into that healing. And so the devil knows, the enemy knows our capacity, though. And he knows if we ever find out who we are in Jesus, that scares him to and that's right. You scare him. You guys scare him worse because you have more life in front of you. You scare the devil. Say it. I scare him. And it's okay. It's like, I scare you. Listen to me, enemy, because I scare you. One, you scare him before you come to know Jesus because if you come to know Jesus, and then it's our job to disciple you to get you to understand who you are in Jesus, so you can work in that capacity and be who he's called you to be. See, prophecy opens our capacity to what the Father's called us. Paul says it, and we're supposed to earnestly desire in 1 Corinthians, desire the spiritual, and especially that you prophesy. Well, I know, I, I'm, you know I'm reading some of your thoughts. It's like, yeah, y'all can do that, but it's like, I can't. That's just, oh, man. That places too much emphasis on me. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you're looking at you, yeah, you can't prophesy. I can't prophesy, but God can. Anywhere that you haven't been, God's been. Well, I've never done this before. Well, that's a great excuse. God has. Well, I've never got up in front of people. I'm scared to death. Well, God's not. And so, as we do some of these things on Rise Nights, I always wanted to get up and say, you know, first time I, I, was, I had a prophetic incident a prophetic experience was down in Las Vegas. Yeah, not Sin City, but Saved City. And there's a number of us that have gone down to, there to International Church of Las Vegas. 
And we've had a, a guy here, and it was in his workshop, Johnny Morales. And so I was looking at his book that he wrote for Global Prophetic Training, and it was written in 09. So it had to be before that considerably because he wrote the book after he had done this a lot. And he was one of the pastors at this church. It's a large church. Large church. We had all kinds of people there. Been really interesting to be involved with their, with them. And so I go to this, and, and I'm sitting in the in the rows with Connie, and, uh, and my wife. And and so Johnny gets up there and says, "All right, this is prophetic training. We're going to prophesy over somebody next to you. You can't do it with somebody that you came with. So look at the other side, and you're going to prophesy over this person." So I look over here, and there's a lady. It's like. Okay, so what, you know, give us some instructions. Okay, you're going to have 30 seconds. And I want you to close your eyes and talk to God and ask him to give you something. Ready? Go. And it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. You know, my little boy's just in there screaming, just like, what are we going to do? Oh, my, oh, come on. It's like, oh, what do you got? Okay. And all of a sudden, this movie starts playing. And I'm going like this. And I see this woman, and she's walking around. And she's got all these kids, different colors. And they're all raising their hands. And she's raising her hands up. And she's just singing to them. And there's like hundreds of kids walking around. And it's like, I can't say that. I don't know this person. I know nothing. I, come on, God. You know my heart with kids. It's like, give me something else. And Johnny's up there going, 10 seconds left. And it's like, come on, give me something else. Come on, come on, come on. Please, please, please. And all of a sudden, boom. I get this picture. Same woman doing the same thing, only flowers now. And it's like flowers from every color. And they're all like these big flowers, and they're following her around. And it's just like, and they're just facing her. It's just like, okay, okay, quite hard. 28, 29, 30. Okay, has anybody got anything? I said, I think I have something. Okay, go ahead. And it's like, so I had this picture, this movie playing with me, and, and it's like I saw you in this field of flowers, and the flowers and the tears started coming out. And it's like, and there were flowers, and they, but they were all different colors. And you're walking around and praising God and singing and teaching these kids how to sing. And the tears start coming out, and the snot starts coming down. And she goes, ah! And I'm going, Connie goes, what you do to her? <laughs> and it's like, Johnny goes, I think we got a live one here. <laughs> and she goes, what happened? She's like, he told me this, this, this story of my life. What? Yeah, I have, I'm from San Diego, and I have this street ministry, and, and every morning, I, and, I, and I've asked God, is this what I should be doing? I'm spending all my money. But I go out into the streets and I gather all these street kids up and I bring them to my house and I have this huge acreage and we just get out in the field and we sing and we praise God and then I feed them and then and I'm, I'm all up by that time. And I look at her and I go, I'm so sorry because the first picture I got was kids. And she's, whoa! And right there I went, Father, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't speak what you gave me. I don't care what it is. I don't care who I'm with. I don't care where I am. 
If you give me something, I don't care if it's a word. I don't care if it's a picture. I don't care what it is. If I know it's from you, it's coming out. I'm never going to do that again. And that's where I started. Last week when Ben was calling for for anybody to come up, I had a word. And it was, you know, it's like, okay. And uh, I all right. I'll stand up. I had my Bible open. I had, I had notes. I had everything. I mean, it was all ready. And I'm looking at it and going, and he just starts opening it up. It's just like, it's just rolling out just more and more and more. And it's just like, well, and then people got up. We had about seven people get up. It's like, yeah, I like that. But it's like, this is just getting really big. And it's like, well, Maybe you could teach on that. It's like, oh, I knew you were going to do something like that because that's one of his names, you know, Jehovah Sneaky. (laughs) He sneaks in and does stuff. It's like, so it all started out with this word rubble. Not Barney, but rubble. And I've had it before and I've spoken before. And so what happened a week ago up in Chalice, went to the mountain. God started to reveal about prophecy. Well, the first one is personal prophecy. You know, and how do you, how do you hear God's word? How, how do you hear God? You first hear it through his word. And that's for yourself. And then you start to hear it for somebody else. You might get a, a word for somebody, like I got it for your daughter that one day. You know, and you give it. To, and then the next stage is you get a corporate <laughs> word so that you can give it to more at, at once. And then the Holy Spirit acts as a filter and then gives that to each person. And you hear what you need to hear. And it's funny because I, you know, I talked to Ben about this. It's like you get up and preach and it's like somebody comes up and says, oh, it was awesome when you said this in your sermon. And it's just like, and you're going, I said that. And it's like, okay, great, you know. But yeah, okay, but I don't even, well, let me look at my notes. It's like, Okay, well, if you heard that, it's like, great, and way to go, God. You know, so, yay, God, because he brings what, you know, and he makes up for everything that we're not. And so, I start, as soon as I heard this word, it's like, so what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with rubble? It's like, and then it came out, as I said it, it came out, the rubble ball. So, okay, all right, there we go, I got something in the word. So, it's like, well, where's the rubble ball? So, I felt like, well, where's Waldo, you know? It's like, well, where's the rubble ball? Well, he's in a couple of places, but the book of Haggai talks about Zerubbabel. And he was called to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. It was when the Jews were in captivity to, in Babylon, and King Darius I said, yeah, you go back, build the temple. It's like, okay, I can do that. And so Haggai was the prophet, Joshua was the high priest, not Joshua the son of Nun that the book was about, but Joshua the son of Jehozadak. And so he's called to rebuild the temple. He was also the one, so Zerubbabel, he was also the one that, and this is all, this is all coming out as I'm asking God, what are we doing with this? He was the one that reversed the curse and the judgment of Coniah in Jeremiah 22 which none of the Davidic line, so none of the descendants of David, 
would sit on the throne or be listed in the kings of Judah. So where did Jesus come from? The tribe of Judah. He also is the only one in the lineage of Mary and Joseph, Zerubbabel. So that's where the lines cross. And then Haggai prophesies twice over Zerubbabel. So I'm going to go ahead and put that up there. So it's not a big book. So I'm going to read this. So, in the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. That's important too. Okay? And to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And then the word of the Lord came by the prophet, by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways or set your heart or what are you doing? You've sown much but harvest little. You eat but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink but there's not enough to become drunk. Put on clothes when no one's warm. You, you, he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord, consider your ways or set your heart. Or where's your heart? What are you doing? Now go up to the mountain. Bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, it blows away. I blow it away. Why? Because my house, which lies desolate, which each of you runs to his own, while well, each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, the earth has withheld its produce, and I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the ground on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people's saying, I'm with you. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came, and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And it gives a day. On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel and Joshua and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who's left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, 
declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, and all you people of the land, take courage and work, for I am with you. As for the promise which I made when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I shall give peace, declares the Lord. I'll pick it back up in 15. But now, do you consider from this day onward, before one stone is placed on another in the temple of the Lord, from that time when one came to a grain of heap of 20 measures, there would only be 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 measures, there would only be 20. I smote you and every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail. Yet, you didn't come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet, from this day on, I will bless you. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones and kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet, a seal, for I have chosen you. So what's God saying in this? So this is going to come out in in corporate and also personal. This people says, time hasn't come for the temple to be rebuilt. Who's the temple now in New Testament times? And that's what God gets to do. He takes things from the old into the new. And that's what we're doing with this. Who's the temple? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What do we say in America? I'm pretty distracted. I kind of got to build, and that's where I've been. Well, I kind of got to build my house. I'm busy. I really can't do it. I really, you know, I'm kind of, I'm concerned with stuff. You know, like the American dream. That's in the word, right? The American dream? (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah. Retirement? Okay, I'm retired. Is that it? You ever read that? In a no. But that's what we're concerned about. Our own wealth, our material goods. Verse five. Consider your ways. What have you set your heart on? To me that says get your house in order. I mean, Ben's whole line is this this is the end. I don't know about you. But it's not a real favorable place to be around that much anymore. I mean, watch the news for 30 seconds. That's about all I can handle in the morning. There's about 
30 minutes and then I'm so stinking mad. It's like, you know. So I, I can't really do that kind of stuff. So get your house in order. Find out who you are. Who's he say? Who's he say you are? You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. That's my dad. I'm supposed to walk in that. I'm supposed to walk just like Jesus walked. I'm supposed to walk in his fullness. This glorifies God. When I rebuild my temple, it glorifies God. This is what I'm called to do. That means everything else doesn't mean a thing in my life. And, and I've been through that with him. And I was like, you know. And so we were up there, up in Jalice, and, and it's like, if you need to come to the altar, and, and you know, if you're, you're in a place where you've got some unrepentant sin, if you've got some unforgiveness, it's like, God, I think I've been through everything. What do I, you know, what do you want? And it's just like, I just want you. So I came to the altar. It's like, show me anything. Show me anything that's outside of what you want. I just want you. Okay. It's like, you got it. You got it all. It's the current state of our nation, but it's also the current state of our families, current state of our churches, current state of the church in America. That verse 10, because of you, skies withheld us dew, earth withheld us produce, drought on the land. Does that sound familiar? On the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the, what the ground produces, on the cattle. Met a guy from the Wood River Valley. He says, yeah, water was dried up before June this year. We read about guys selling their cattle. It's like, I can't grow any hay. I can't feed my cattle. I've got to sell everything. They're just going to die. That's drought. I think it's a reflection of where we are as a nation. I got showed something up there. Shown something. Excuse me, I'm supposed to be a teacher. And it was this thing called a world meter. You ever seen that? All you got to do is put it in Google or you know DuckDuckGo. Or, I don't use Google anymore. But it's world meter. It keeps track of all kinds of statistics, population, uh, health things, energy, all kinds of expenditures, and it's just a rolling clock. So we know exactly what our population is. When we roll down. This is where God's going. It wasn't in my notes. And this is a tough one because when I, when I got exposed to it up there, I almost fell out of my chair. The tears came. It has the statistics on abortion. This year alone, it's approaching 39 million in the world. Almost 6,000 a day. I think this stuff is happening. 
as a result of this. We need to consider our ways. God says it twice in here. Consider your ways. What are you doing? What's going on? Where's your heart? Go to the mountain. What, you know, what's that mean? What does it mean to go to the mountain? Well, I went up to Chalice. Dave knows. I go up to the mountain. And it's beautiful up there. Went to Living Waters Ranch. They bring in people up there. If you've never been up there, it's a world-class resort. And it was packed, and it was really interesting. Go up to the mountain, get wood. Why? Because you've got to build something. Come back and work on the temple. It'll please God and glorify him. What did I do? I went up the mountain. I got tooled. When I'm coming back, and I'm trying to rebuild the temple, and with you. But I learned some things, and, I, and, and we've done this a lot. We go places, and we listen to people. Now, I love our fellowship, and I love our church, and I love people. And Ben, you've got the best seat in the house up here, because you guys are awesome looking. You know, look next door and say, you guys, you're good looking. And you, yeah, and you smell good too, you know. But it's just like, you go to these places and you hear something that's different, but it's all the same. It's the same line. Because all these people are talking, they're all getting the same message from God. We've got to get serious. If you're playing with God, if you're in a place, if you're playing with God, now's not the time. It never has been. Now's not the time to play with God. Because the battle lines are being drawn. And there, there's, there's a section in here that, that to me is really a little bit scary. It's interesting though when you get down to, to 11 and 12 in the first chapter, they, they turn, the people turn to obedience and they say, yeah, we're going to work on the temple. What happens? God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. That's a really good thing. You know, it's so interesting when we have, and worship keeps getting better and better and better, so thank you, worship team. I mean it. Worship doesn't bring us into the presence of God because he's already here. But worship gets us to take off the cares and the burdens and the distractions. And that's why we feel closer to God. But it just gets to strip things off. And the deeper we go into worship, and I'm so glad that we don't, and I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm so glad that we don't do three songs and out, which is a lot you know, common in a lot of churches. But the more that we come in and press in, the more that we feel closer to God because we've left our cares and our concerns and our burdens aside. And then I feel like I'm, standing in the presence of God where I'm already standing in the presence of God but my physical and my mental my soul can feel like I'm standing in the presence of God and then in, in, in verse 14 so the Lord stirred the spirit you ever need your spirit stirred it's like yeah especially as you get older and you get tired and then tired again. That's retired. We've got to have our spirit stirred. And we have to do that. And we have to do that on a continual basis. But who does that? 
the Lord stirred the spirit of the people. And what happens? Stuff happens. Work happens when our spirit's stirred. I didn't come to Ben this week and start talking about, oh, I want to preach today. Yeah, I want to preach this weekend. It's like, he says, well, I think you should get up there and and talk this weekend. It's just like, oh, man. I will. And it's like, well, you want me to teach on God? Hey, guys. Like, that's funny. It's like, okay. And then when I get into it, it's like, wow, this is deep. So in chapter 2, this is, this is an interesting one. Because in, in, in verse 3, it says, Who's left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? So God gave me a thought this morning. And I'll pick on a couple of people because I'm a teacher and that's what I do. It's like, anybody come to the Lord in the 60s? Okay. I know Lane came to the Lord in the 70s. Brian? Yeah. A few people. What do you remember about that time? What do you remember, Lane? A lot of movement, a lot of movement of God. And we're moving into that now. And you know what he's saying? The latter is going to be greater than the former. But we have to declare that because we've got to convince ourselves. We have to renew our mind to that. So, I mean, you know, Lynn tells me, uh, you know, he, he ushered at, at a Catherine Coleman, maybe more than one. But, you know, talking about going down there, same thing with... You know, the Angelus Temple down in, you know, in Los Angeles, Amy Semple McPherson. Wheelchairs, crutches all over the walls and piles of them and all this kind of stuff. People bringing things up like that. The latter is going to be greater than the former. And I want you to say that. The latter is going to be greater than the former. You didn't sound very convincing to me. I'm sorry. You know, that was really weak, you know. The latter is going to be greater than the former. That's a little better. But you've got to start saying stuff like that. Because you're confessing the word of God. He's already said it. He's already done it. And so we just have to call it into being. He's saying this is the future. Make it happen. He says take courage. Well, Why? Because we've got to work. There's going to be opposition. Yeah. But I'm with you. My spirit's abiding with you in verse 5. Don't fear. Don't fear. I, I just, I googled. I, dog, I duck, duck, go. How many times? Fear not. Fear not. It's 144 times in King James Bible. Don't fear. Fear not. Some places say 365, but it wasn't don't fear. It was a little bit different. And then in verse 6, this is, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Now, I think this is really prophetic with what we're going on right now. Our government, and it's like, are we supposed to be political? Zerubbabel was the governor. Are we supposed to be political? Yeah. A lot of 
churches, it's like, well, what are you talking about? Power? I don't want to say stuff like that. We might lose people. It's like, and? But we've got to say what's right. I mean, we've got a president who signed an executive order for abortion to be up until birth. And now we're finding out that, yes, some of these vaccines, or maybe all the vaccines, are being used with fetal tissue, but they can only use fetal tissue with, with less than, how many, two hours old was it? Yeah, so, so a very short time before the fetal tissue. So what's having to happen is that they're birthing babies through abortion, keeping the mother sedated under, and having a live baby with umbilical cord, so they're saying, well, it's not born yet because it's not detached, so it's still part of the mother. And they're taking tissue out of the baby to make these vaccines. So you want a religious exemption? Yeah, that's one. And then you look at the amount of abortions. I mean, I'm going to shake. I'm going to shake the wealth of the nations. Who do you think is running the country? Who do you think is running the world? I listened to a prophetic, and, and we've seen it. There's like three or four different people that are running the whole world. They own the majority of the shares of all the companies. George Soros, Berkshire Hathaway, BlackRock, and there's another one. I can't remember. Almost all of them own all the companies. Do you think like Coca-Cola and Pepsi are competitors? No, they're owned by the same company. I'm going to shake the wealth of the nations. What's happened in America is that there's been nations uh, uh, put together within our nation. So we have a nation of elite people. They have the money and they think, and you hear this out of people and, you know, like the Speaker of the House. Well, you, you really don't understand. So we need to do this for you. It's like, no, I can, I can understand. I can understand fine. Well, we need to pass this bill because, you know, even though it's, you know, 2,800 pages, you really don't need to know what it, what's in it until we pass it. And then you'll see what's in it because you really won't understand it. That's the way they talk to us. You don't think that's a nation? Yeah, we're the elite people. Yeah, we're the rich people, so we run things and we have special privileges. You see the news. Yeah, I want, you need to wear a mask, but I don't have to wear a mask. This is a nation, and this is what he's saying. I'm going to shake the nations. I'm going to shake the wealth of the nations. And I don't believe this is strictly monetary. Because what God was showing me in this was that it's relational. I'm going to shake these things. I mean, what is... What are the two radical groups that are out protesting now because they thought that this latest trial that was publicized didn't go the way it should? BLM and Antifa. So they're protesting. You don't think that's a nation? This guy that we were listening to last week, he said, there's only two races on the face of the earth, the saved and the unsaved. And it's our job 
to make a one race. Everybody's saved. It's our only job. But what's the enemy try to do? He wants to divide. I don't care who's in this room. What, what amount of melanin you have in your skin, I am 99.9999% similar to you than I am different. And you try to tell me that I'm different and that I'm prejudiced against you because you might be darker or lighter than me or you might have grown up in a different area or you might heifer dust. No, we're not different. And everything that you hear that says that you are different is bunk. And that's the only thing that the enemy's trying to do. The Father unites everything that Jesus spoke about resonates this. The latter glories going to be greater than the former glory. In verse seven, and in this place, the first place, I will give peace. Need peace? That's what he said. In this place. I will give peace. The next place it's going to happen is the family. In this place, I will give peace. The next place it's going to happen is our fellowship. In this place, I'm going to give peace. The next place it's going to happen is our community. In this place, I will give peace. And then it's going to happen in our state. In this place, I will give peace. And then it's going to happen in our country. In this place, I will give peace. So in verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15 through 19, we can see the consequences of disobedience. And then Haggai says, God says to Haggai, yet from this day on, I'm going to bless you when you turn. And he's going to bring about destruction of the evil nations. And then I'm going to make you a seal and a signet ring. What is, I mean, what's a signet ring? Yeah. It's an authority. And, and when they sent messages, they used to take the candle, put some wax on there, and they'd press it in there so you knew that that had authority of the king. That's what he's making us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's making you. You've got to understand that. And that last line, and I will make you a signet ring, a seal, for I have chosen you. There's another time Jesus says this in John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. When I discovered that, you know, I always had that thought, well, when I came to Jesus, no, he came to me. I just got my heart from being so hard that I said yes. He chose me. He chose you. If you're hearing this, he's chosen you to hear it. It's not a mistake. He chose you. But yeah, so we do get to be political. Okay. And actually, that's pretty good timing. God's got good timing. So, so really, so I always ask this, so what's it look like? 
Because, I mean, you, you can preach a good word, but, I mean, if you just leave it out there hanging and you don't know what it's supposed to do, and there's, this is not a do thing, though, because it's not legalism. Well, you should be. Yeah, I'm not going to should on you, okay? But we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be holy. Why are we supposed to be holy? Because he's holy, and he says it. We're supposed to be righteous, because I have the righteousness of Christ in me. We're supposed to be honorable. How do I be honorable? I had to look that one up. John 12, 26 says, through service, I'm honorable. Well, that means we get involved. We get involved in our fellowship. I get involved in my family. I get involved in my new family. I get involved in my community. I get involved. I get to be free. I don't have addictions taking me over anymore. I don't have sin that's taking me over anymore. We don't have to sin. We've been set free. It's for freedom that we've been set free. I get to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in His, in his might. Take courage, don't fear. And I get to love. Again, preached a great message on love. I get to love. So back to the original word, rubble. This is the personal one. I don't know who this is going to, but rubble. I mean, what's rubble? You know, one thing that God does, he renames things. And rubble's a derogatory term. But some of you might think your life is kind of messed up and it's just a bunch of rubble. Well, God doesn't say it's rubble because he's going to rebuild it. And rubble, in another term, is aggregate. So if I'm mixing concrete, I'm going to need some aggregate. Otherwise, it doesn't have enough structure to hold together. And then it can't be used for anything except ornamental or decoration. So when you take aggregate, you mix it with the natural ingredients, some sand, some calcium lime, and other stuff, with the water of the Holy Spirit. What happens? Generates heat to form a building material for strength, for structure, and for purpose. So what the enemy meant to destroy, the Father's remixing to form, and to build, and to solidify into a permanent, quake-proof, bomb-proof foundation to build his house upon. So I don't know if that fits you, But that's my word from God. And this is where it all started out, with rubble. So he can take rubble, he can make a message, as he can pull Zerubbabel out and bring all that stuff to bear. So if you've got stuff that you wanna deal with, we've got an altar up here, and there's, that's a great place to come up and just pour out. We have a, got prayer teams, if you need to confess and have somebody agree with you. And if you want to do that, if you believe that your life's not been where it's supposed to be, and you just want to say, I just want to get real with you, God. I got nothing. You can have it all. You want to do that? I'd invite you to come out as Lori brings us to a close. And I just appreciate you giving me your time because I think about that's really precious. So thank you.
Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast, and if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you, so go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.